Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, folks. I'm really excited about today's show. And as my rabid listeners know, I get excited about all my shows. But this one is really kind of fun for me because one of the things that I'm constantly on the lookout for are large, successful companies who are doing sustainability right. And what I mean by that is looking at sustainability in very simple terms, which is how much natural resources are we using? How much energy? How much water? Uh, how much of, of the things that the earth supplies are we using to create our products? And is that level of consumption sustainable? If not, what are we doing as a company to replenish those natural resources and to ensure that the communities that we're drawing those resources from are stable in terms of their access to those natural resources? And I have recently come across a company that is forward planning to do exactly that, and that's PepsiCo. Today, we're joined by the Senior Director of Environmental Sustainability for PepsiCo, and he's going to be talking to us about a very exciting roadmap that they have laid out. It's called The Promise of PepsiCo, and I'm just thrilled to death to have Robert on the show. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Robert. How are you today? Uh, I'm great. Uh, Thank you, Jill, for having me. Very much appreciate the opportunity. Well, it's my pleasure because I, I was reading your 2010 annual report and uh, I'm just excited about what you're doing and I'm anxious to share that with our listeners. Now, as the Senior Director of Environmental Sustainability for PepsiCo, what exactly does your job entail? Sure. The, great question. My role is actually within our Global Public Policy and Government Affairs Group. Um, there is certainly a wide range of folks within PepsiCo that work on sustainability, but my particular role is uh, is really focused on engaging with external stakeholders such as NGOs, government agencies, investor groups, helping to ensure we have alignment from our various different divisions ar- around the world, around our environmental sustainability goals and programs, and, and helping to take that global vision and ensure that it's being locally implemented and is locally relevant. Um, also help to work with our subject matter experts and other folks within our environmental sustainability program to, to ensure that we have uh, common plans, programs, and policies uh, in, in our global operations. Sounds like you're taking a real systems approach. Sometimes sustainability becomes kind of a silo piece of a company's strategy, but it sounds like you're integrating and weaving it through all the various entities of your company's uh, partnerships and internal uh, business units. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think you bring up an excellent point there because really the, the vision of sustainability within PepsiCo comes from our CEO, Ender Nui, and uh, is embodied in, as you mentioned, the performance with purpose and the promise of PepsiCo. And it really does trickle down from Indra all the way through um, to our frontline employees who are, are partnering with the business to ensure that we, we have a more sustainable operations and more sustainable business. Well, before we talk about specifically the environmental sustainability portion of the promise of PepsiCo, give our listeners kind of an overview of the promise. When did PepsiCo develop it, and how does it help your company connect with consumers? Sure. Well, um, the promise of PepsiCo was first developed by uh, Indra Nui, as I mentioned, our CEO. And it's really a, uh, a bold outline of 47 goals that we have to, to help ensure the future sustainability of our company. And really what it is, it's a commitment and a realization that performance, our financial success, and how we're doing in the marketplace really must go hand-in-hand hand with our social and environmental responsibilities or the purpose piece. Really, the vision is that they're inextricably linked. We, we have to focus on both. And within these 47 goals, we really try and frame it up in, in four major areas. Uh, performance, as I mentioned, covering the financial health and goals for growth and performance of PepsiCo now and in the future. Uh, and then the three other major buckets, which we call human, which covers PepsiCo's commitment to transform our product portfolio. For example, reducing salt and, uh, and other items in our products in uh, specific markets as well as transforming our product portfolio and, and having a wider variety of good-for-you, healthy-for-you products, as well as our, our fun-for-you products. Certainly mm-hmm. the environmental piece, which we'll talk about here in a little bit more detail, but then also a critical component is the talent bucket. And really our talent bucket covers our internal, if you will, people goals, how we retain and build the best talent in the world. Uh, I really like this part of the vision um, that uh, Indra brought uh, with the promise of PepsiCo because really in the end, I think it's a realization that our company is made up of individuals that will bring about the promise of PepsiCo and make it a reality in their everyday jobs. I love it. It sounds like a really motivating place to be employed. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> let, let's talk about the various components of the environmental section of the promise of PepsiCo. Let's start with uh, having you tell our listeners about your commitment to improve water use efficiency by 20% per unit of production by 2015. Um, I understand from the snippet on your website about this that this required some capital investment in new technology. Is that correct? Uh, That is correct. And um, uh, certainly we'll have uh, some examples on that here in just a minute. But let me uh, just frame up first. I think it's it's very important to note that PepsiCo recognizes that water is a key component and a a key piece of what we do and how we do it. Um, And it's something we've been working on within our global operations, um, certainly uh, for for many, many years, but decided to set it in our goals uh, with a baseline of 2006 and very happy to report that we're actually have seen some fantastic progress in this where we're actually already seeing a water use intensity improvement versus our 2006 baseline at about 19% reduction um, versus our, our baseline. So wow. we're on target to, to achieve and to, uh, to meet that goal. But um, to frame it up, it, in terms of capital investment or the overall program, 
I think it's very important that we recognize that you know, water use efficiency goals have not only required the investment, but it's also about investing in our businesses and our teams. So not only have we been installing new, for example, water treatment and wastewater treatment technology at our Casa Grande, Arizona plant, where we're cleaning our wastewater to U.S. primary and secondary drinking water standards, so we're able to reuse it in our operations instead of just a single pass and then discharging it. But we're also investing in our people. So it's about training them on how to use less water in the operations, how to be more efficient, say, for example, where we cook whole grain corn, which we use in our Fritos and Tostitos products, um, so we can use what we call low water corn cook technology. Uh, We're also rolling out technology like in our Gatorade division, where we're using ionized air instead of water for cleaning of the bottles. The bottles get absolutely as clean as they would if we were using the water, but it's another opportunity for us to to save water there. Um, We've also certainly recognized um, at the same time that these big gains also have to come through new innovation and new technology. And so direct investment in our lines, as I mentioned, the new wastewater technology in CASA, uh, as well as doing other things in our global operations uh, have really helped to drive us to the point where we're seeing this 19% reduction versus our 2006 baseline on a, a, a certainly an indexed uh, uh, performance piece. Well, and I have to imagine that, you know, in places like Arizona where you have operations and the water, you know, is so precious. I mean, even just this morning, I was reading about, you know, continued droughts in Texas and, you know, other areas that uh, it must be very welcomed in these communities to have um, companies who, like yourselves, are, are making a concerted effort to conserve that very precious resource. It, you know, it's got to be spread around when there's less of it. And I know that you've set a goal to strive for positive water balance in your operations when it comes to water in water-distressed areas. According to reports I've seen, in the coming decades, there are going to be even more water-distressed areas in the world than there are today. So how is PepsiCo addressing this particular issue? Yeah, I think that's a very good observation. And certainly we, we've seen much of the same data through the studies that we've been performing uh, and over the past several years. In fact, we've been partnering and working with, uh, with partners such as the World Business Council for Sustainable Development to perform a, a water stress analysis uh, using a tool that the WBCSD developed on many of our manufacturing and agricultural operations around the world. And it's shown us that uh, we have some opportunities, some plants, some agricultural operations that are either located in currently water-stressed areas or uh, will be located in water-stressed areas in the future. And what this really helps us to do then is to focus our reduction goals and our reduction activities where we'll have the greatest impact. And I think to the point that you made, in areas such as in Arizona where you're in a water-stressed community, you're able to focus the company resources, the training, um, and other activities so that you can bring about change where it is a local issue. And I think that's really key when we're talking about water stress and when we're talking about water use, and that it really is a local issue. And uh, I, I appreciate you bringing up the positive water balance piece because what PepsiCo is, is really striving for is achieving what we call a net positive water impact. And this has been really shown in a study that we've recently commissioned and partnered with the Nature Conservancy on. 
um, where we're going in and looking at watersheds as a whole where we operate. Uh, we've selected watersheds in China, Mexico, Europe, India, and the U.S. to pilot this study so we can see where are the major extraction points within those watersheds and how can we help to return water to the environment. An example of this would be like, for example, in India, where we actually achieved our first positive water balance in 2009 in our India market. Um, just to put some numbers behind it and put it in context, in our operations in 2009, we used about 5.2 billion liters of water in our production facilities, but then we were able to give back, from a positive water balance standpoint, more than 6 billion liters of water. Um, a lot of this comes from uh, the rainwater harvesting that we're doing within our facilities, helping to put in check dams and creeks to facilitate water recharge. But the, the, the best story around that and the positive water balance is the direct rice seeding program that we've put in place, helping to train farmers how to transform their fields from flood irrigation into a direct rice seeding and using um, either pivot irrigation or drip irrigation to, to grow their, uh, their rice crop. I think a lot of our listeners are going to be surprised at how extensive PepsiCo's plan has has been developed. I mean, it's not just about uh, you know your your products that we see on the shelf. It's it's a holistic um, supply chain rich plan. I think it's just phenomenal. We're going to be talking more about not just the water piece, but the energy piece uh, to the PepsiCo Promise and their environmental sustainability portion right after this quick commercial break. So don't go away, folks. There's much more Grow Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Tolvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Tolvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. 
The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today we're joined by the Senior Director of Environmental Sustainability for PepsiCo. And we're talking about a very panoramic, all-encompassing plan that PepsiCo has set down in the promise of PepsiCo to really dig in deep to their sustainability issues. We're talking about their natural resource consumption and all the various ways that they have not just taken a look at what they're using and uh, what they're giving back in terms of natural resources, but some of the investments that they've made in technology that will actually help them reduce their environmental footprint. Robert, I know that uh, PepsiCo has set a goal to incorporate at least 10% recycled PET plastic in your primary soft drink containers in the U.S., and that sounds great, but to a lot of our listeners, they're probably thinking, well, what exactly are the environmental impacts to that kind of a move? Help us understand how that will impact the environment. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, uh, first, I'm sure as you're aware, you know, PepsiCo leads the industry with the amount of recycled PET used in our primary soft drink containers in the U.S. And um, this goal, along with uh, expanding this on a global standpoint, is really helping to drive some, some big reductions within our supply chain and from, to your point, a, a broader environmental impact standpoint. Certainly, when you're uh, increasing the recycled PET content, Right, you're turning it into more of a closed-loop type system, so you're reducing the amount of waste, uh, you're reducing the reliance on petroleum-based virgin plastic, and to really help, uh, uh, if you will, drive the market more towards a, re- a recycled content market. Um, these gains, really, we've seen across PepsiCo, but really uh, in North America, I'm sure, as many of your listeners are aware, uh, in Canada last month, we introduced the 7-Up Eco Green bottle, and it's Canada's and really North America's first soft drink bottle made from 100% recycled PET plastic. Um, we also, I'm sure you're familiar with our Naked Juice brand. And I sure our am. Naked, our Naked Juice brand transitioned to a 100% post-consumer recycled plastic bottle with the introduction of a, a renewable bottle. Um, and we were the first beverage industry to dis- distribute a uh, 100% recycled bottle nationally in the U.S., but we also, you know, continue to look at new innovative ways, and certainly we announced uh, earlier this year that uh, we really, we cracked the code, if you will, on developing the, the world's first 100% plant-based PET bottle. So it's wow. PET, functionally, it protects our products the exact same way that, um, if you will, PET derived from petroleum would, but it's uh, sourced from and uh, comes from, from plants. And it's a, a new breakthrough innovation. It, it won't contaminate the uh, recycle stream, and uh, it's something that uh, is based on a renewable resource. 
Well, and one of the things that I talk to my listeners about all the time is that, hey, it is great if you are recycling. If you have a robust recycling program in your home, your business, your school, what have you. But if there's no place for that you know, recycled material that you're source separating from your trash to go, if you're not purchasing products made from you know, the, the recycled product that that you know, recycling bin, all that stuff in your recycling bin becomes, then you know, we're really not closing the loop. In order to really close the loop on our recycling efforts, we have to purchase products that are made from recycled content material. And so it's great to know when those opportunities are available, for instance, with your products. So uh, that, that's very exciting. And speaking of recycling, uh, PepsiCo has launched the Dream Machine program to increase recycling rates in the U.S. Tell us how the Dream Machines work and how successful that program has been so far. Great. Excellent. Thank you. The, we're really proud of the Dream Machine program, and it's a multi-year collaboration with Waste Management and Keep America Beautiful. And really, this is around PepsiCo's goal to increase the U.S. beverage container recycling rate to 50% by 2018. So it is certainly something that uh, is driven by one of the promise of PepsiCo's. And right now, what we're seeing is, according to Keep America Beautiful, only about 12% of public spaces are equipped with recycling receptacles. And so what the Dream Machine initiative is put in place to do is to provide these recycling kiosks and bins in these public locations sports stadiums, supermarkets, parks, universities, and schools, so that uh, we can enable people to increase the recycling rate. Um, this, uh, the kiosks, if you've seen them out there, uh, allow you to scan in your bottle. Uh, if you're a member of the Dream Machine program, you're able to uh, log your points where you can get things with your points. Um, and then also, certainly, uh, it's a recycle, recycling container at the same time, so you can just drop your recycled container right in there. Um, we've been looking and have actually launched a new program called the Dream Machine Recycling Rally, which is a, a program designed to raise awareness of the importance of recycling among students, uh, really focusing on grades K through 12. And um, we've had some good success. We're in nearly 600 schools currently participating in the recycling program and the rally. And uh, we're looking at and have seen a, a good return in the fall of 2010 students collected more than 5.2 million containers. So we believe the Dream Machine is actually going to help us to, to drive this. Now, to tie it all together, um, it's a really neat initiative also because um, for more bottles and cans that people recycle in our Dream Machines, PepsiCo will continue to, as we already do, but increase our support and provide uh, greater support for the Entrepreneurship Boot Camp for Veterans with Disabilities. And what this is, it's a national program where we offer free training and in entrepreneurship and small business management to post 9-11 U.S. veterans with disabilities. And, of course, when I say we, I don't mean PepsiCo. Obviously, I mean the Entrepreneurship Boot Camp for Veterans with Disabilities. Mm -hmm. Well, and one of the things I love about the Dream Machine, there's a lot to love about the Dream Machine program, but it's so... Um, Intuitive. I mean, Keep America Beautiful learned back in the 70s that in order to cure the litter problem that the United States had at that time, 
you got to have easy-to-find trash cans. People are going to litter if there's not a trash can to put your stuff into. And so we saw in the 70s, after the very effective marketing that Keep America Beautiful did around uh, litter abatement, that we saw trash cans springing up in public places where there hadn't been any before. Well, the same is true of recycling. If it's hard to recycle, if there's no place to recycle, it's highly unlikely that people will recycle. And so the Dream Machine offers uh, that missing component that a lot of communities are lacking, which is... A simple place for people to participate in a recycling program. So I love that. And of course, um, benefiting our, our nation's veterans, uh, especially those who have been uh, disabled, you know, throughout the, the conflicts that we've had over the past decade or so, it's, it's very admirable. Now, I know that uh, PepsiCo um, has also set a goal to reduce packaging weight by 350 million pounds by 2012, which is right around the corner. What are the environmental benefits to that goal? I mean, it, you know, it's great that you'll be using less material, uh, and that'll reduce the weight of your packaging. But there are some other environmental benefits to that as well. Explain that goal for us, Robert. Sure, absolutely. So this goal, it, it really helps us to realize a transformation not only within our supply chain but within our operations. So just to provide a, a quick example, um, if we are reducing, say, for example, in 2009, we performed a lightweight of our uh, Aquafina product, um, and we call it a, the Ecofina bottle, and where we're using 50% less pra- plastic than the same packaging in t- 2002. So the lightest weight bottle of its type in the U.S. helps us not just to, from a packaging standpoint, but we're reducing the amount of fossil fuels that we're using in our fleet because there's less weight for us to have to transport the same product, which, of course, then uh, translates into reduced greenhouse gas emissions. Um, there's less waste because you're using uh, less uh, raw material or recycled material to produce the, the packaging. Um, and then there's also the benefit of within our supply chain. So if you're making a bottle, what we call in the industry, you're blowing a bottle, you're using less energy when you're using a, uh, a lightweight bottle than when you're using a, uh, a heavier bottle. So there are benefits all the way across when you make these types of transitions. How are you quantifying the environmental impact of, of this initiative? So within this initiative, uh, tied to the goal, certainly, it's um, reduction of the packaging weight versus a baseline for the various different products. But it's also our ability to talk with our suppliers and partner with our suppliers about how they are making changes. And some of these things come out about when we are doing a training, which we'll talk about here, I'm sure, in a little bit, uh, of how our suppliers can reduce their, their actual energy and, and water and fuel use in our recon program. So we track those reductions. Um, but it's also a matter of tracking how we're using our, our fuel within our fleet and we're reducing our fleet usage uh, of fuel, not just from lightweighting a bottle, certainly from, from other uh, activities, but being able to realize that it's more than just, let's say, for example, innovation within our fleet. It's also because we're, we're hauling um, lighter weight materials. It, it brings about change. Love it. Now, this next goal that we're going to talk about is one of my favorites because I think it's just audacious and bold, and I love it. You've set a goal to eliminate all solid waste to landfills from your production facilities. I just love that. I think that's so audacious. How are you? I know you've already done it in some of your facilities, and how are you doing it, and how are you going to replicate that? 
Uh, you know, I really like this goal, too, because it, it's, it's shown that we can operate our facilities and our operations in a way where we're eliminating the need to send any material to a landfill and, and demonstrating that recycling of a, a wider range of materials that come about from production is really possible. Um, the, certainly the, the vanguard of this effort has been our UK operations. And they did a fantastic job of making this real for the manufacturing plants. Uh, there was a gentleman, um, what, and we use the term, he was our first, what we call our waste marshal, uh, Paul <laughs> Wells, um, in the UK. And he recognized that this was a problem. We were throwing away things that, frankly, we didn't need to throw away because we already had the opportunity to recycle. And he literally took a video camera. He followed one of the trash trucks to a landfill and filmed as it was dumping to show all of the material that was being uh, dumped in the landfill, but, you know, what was in there in terms of material that could be recycled and that should be recycled. And then he took it back and he started this grassroots training program to really get people at the plant to recognize and understand, hey, look, here's what's going to the landfill. And it was absolutely transformational. The people could not believe that that material was going to the landfill. And it helped them to transform the business where they started having special containers for all the various breakdown of the waste streams. Uh, again, the waste marshals then became more than just Paul, certainly, but the other waste marshals came across in, in all of our plants in the UK, uh, where they're weighing and tracking literally on a shift-by-shift basis every single container, um, coming up with new partners and innovative ways for not just recycling the material, but how can we reuse the material. And I we're doing it. similar projects globally. I love it, Robert. And, you know, this is the kind of thinking that great companies of the 21st century, companies that are going to stand the test of time, are going to have to adopt. And I love the way PepsiCo is thinking cradle to cradle, not just cradle to gray, but cradle to cradle, recycling and keeping the loop moving, getting the most uh, out of the natural resources that you consume. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we'll talk more about the promise of PepsiCo, so don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy the R every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired right fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. If you're just joining us, today we have the Senior Director of Environmental Sustainability for PepsiCo with us. And we're talking about the promise of PepsiCo and some of the environmental sustainability efforts that they will be undertaking in the near future. I mean, this is not like a 20-year goal. These are short-term goals that are very meaningful and I think will have a huge impact not only on their business, but on their entire supply chain. If you're just joining us and you wish you would have caught the beginning of this episode, don't worry, because this radio uh, program is syndicated on the Green Living channel of Voice America's uh, sub-suite of channels. Right now, you're listening to us on the flagship channel, the variety channel of voiceamerica.com, but if you go to voiceamerica.com and click on the Green Living channel, you can hear this episode again next Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific, noon to 1 on the East Coast. Everybody in Mountain and Central can do your own math, but that's when you can hear it again if you want to listen to the episode again or recommend it to your friends. Well, Robert, you know, there's a lot of discussion these days about using renewable energy a lot of companies are making a big deal out of uh, solar panel purchases and whatnot, and that's great. But one of the often overlooked uh, components to a great energy plan for a company is efficiency. And I know that PepsiCo, in its promise of PepsiCo, has laid out some great goals in terms of increasing your energy efficiency and reducing your fuel use intensity. And I'd like for you to talk to us about those goals and what kind of an environmental impact you think they will have. Yeah, th- these are great goals because I-, I think to your point, they really do point to the fact that it's about making sure that you have your own house in order and that you're really focusing on your own operations to ensure that you're not just putting in renewable energy to, to cover your energy use, but that you're focusing first on reducing as much as you possibly can. And we've really achieved some solid results in this area. So for an example, our fuel use intensity uh, versus a 2006 baseline has improved by more than 12%. And our uh, electricity intensity has improved by uh, nearly 9%. So both are on track to to reach our 2015 goal. Um, this is really brought about through some really innovative and, and great programs that we have within uh, PepsiCo. The overarching one that I really want to make sure I talk about is our recon program. And uh, RECON is uh, a short in PepsiCo for resource conservation. 
And uh, this is a program that actually uh, one of our uh, leaders in sustainability within PepsiCo, David Walker, came up with. And uh, this program uses global best practices to establish teams, tracking systems, and raising awareness. So you're kind of building uh, infrastructure at your manufacturing facilities, teaching technical excellence on how to perform an energy audit using what we call an online diagnostic tool, which is literally questions that walk people through uh, some of the basic things of how to ensure they're using the right motors and reduce their uh, energy use in compressed air and in the boilers and refrigeration and lighting systems. And then to, uh, to really round it out, it creates this profile of your plant. So you know exactly how much you're spending on electricity or fuel. And then you're able to go through, through this energy audit, using your diagnostic and the recon tools, to recognize and understand exactly how much energy you're using and where you're using it. So in the end, you do this comparison, very simple comparison. Here's how much we're spending, and here's how much we should be using. And you can see that gap and then recognize where your opportunities for improvements are. And it's led us into uh, certain uh, programs and goals globally, such as putting in cogeneration uh, units at our Killingly, Connecticut plant, um, installing um, actually renewable energy systems in our global ops. Because I, while certainly uh, reducing our reliance on energy and just becoming more efficient is important, we still have a, a commitment and um, uh, goals within PepsiCo, uh, internal goals, to increase our use of renewable energy. Uh, our, our strongest market around this really is India, frankly. Um, we've done some fantastic work of transforming boilers into biomass boilers, putting in uh, solar and wind turbines throughout. Uh, but then also in the States, uh, an example would be our Modesto plant, where we're using solar thermal technology, literally using the sun's energy to generate steam to produce our sun chips. Wow. That, that's so exciting. And as fuel costs, you know, traditional, uh, fossil fuel costs continue to rise and, and a lot of economists say that's not going to go away. Um, that's got to have an impact. I realize there's some capital outlay to realize those kinds of goals, but eventually I've got to think that's going to have an impact on your ability to be competitively priced if you have that kind of control over your energy source and energy cost. Yeah, and the the challenge with pricing is that it's an extremely complex issue, and there's so many factors that go into it. But um, even though we have all of these factors, we're very sensitive to the fact that consumers today have limited disposable income. So we're really committed to providing value for our consumers, not just in the products, but then in how we bring about those products so we can bring them the best value possible. Mm-hmm. Now, talk to us about the all-electric fleet of vehicles that Frito-Lay has acquired. Um, this is pretty exciting. You know, how is PepsiCo going to uh, incorporate that fleet into your overarching goal to reduce greenhouse gas emissions? Talk to us about how all of that works. Sure, and this is really from our Frito-Lay North America division. Um, and in 2010, they really set the wheels in motion for what will ultimately become the largest fleet of commercial all-electrical vehicles in, the, in North America. We're looking to have about 176 by uh, the end of, of 2011. Now, wow. what this does for us is it really helps us to, to recognize and transform our fleet operations. But the electric vehicles is just one piece of the story because we're also working on uh, integrating and bringing hybrid vehicles. 
um, as well as um, what we call the, the right vehicle for the right route. So ensuring that we have small vehicles for small routes or that we're leveraging, for example, the Tropicana train, as we call it. Um, as you know, Tropicana is one of our products, and we uh, ship our orange juice from our uh, manufacturing facilities to the bottling facilities via a train because it is significantly more efficient than doing over the road for that particular product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to integrate these along with the all-electric free- fleet for Frito-Lay North America has really uh, helped to transform it. We're also looking at this in our other global operations. So, for example, a, a program we're very proud of in South America, what we call the Green Stamp Program, where we're um, optimizing vehicle efficiency, where we're going in and training all of our drivers about uh, um, uh, non-idling and how to improve their route efficiency. We're also uh, looking at and actually partnering. So where we take uh, certain vehicles that are loaded, for example, with Pepsi, um, where they may weigh out because you can't put more Pepsi on it because we have uh, a certain weight limit for the vehicles. But we could add, if you will, Frito-Lay products into the same vehicle so that we can make a delivery and take up the full use of the entire vehicle. Very smart. You know, what kind of technology does it take to run that kind of a logistics operation? Oh, we have a, a fantastic logistics group. Um, uh, those guys, they, they really recognize the fact that getting our product to market is absolutely critical for the business. And they ensure that we're not only looking at the vehicles, but the routes themselves. Uh, constant training for our drivers, uh, innovation that really is industry leading, but then also reaching out and partnering with uh, um, not just competitors, but then also within the, the entire beverage sector. Wow, that's inspiring. It really is. And speaking of training, I know that in addition to training uh, your drivers and your transportation folks, you're also training farmers. Talk to us a little bit about your sustainable farming initiative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our sustainable ag program is a fantastic example of PepsiCo recognizing how critical agriculture is to the business. And what we call is uh, our sustainable ag program is really a way for us to, to take various different, um, uh, if you will, slants at the same topic. So as an example, we have a whole farm certification program, but then we also have a crop level certification program. So the whole farm certification program is somebody in our, our company, Ian Hope Johnson, is working on developing this, and it has three main planks, the environmental, social, and economic. And the environmental plank is, is leveraging, if you will, these generations of ideas and best practices around uh, farming to incorporate all of these best practices for our farmers. The really great thing about this is that these farmers are then able to use this, right? They're not growing our crops year-round. Um, and they don't use their entire farm in most cases to grow our crops. So they can take these certifications, they can take these trainings and apply it to the rest of their, uh, their farming operations. But we've also uh, worked with, for example, uh, 350 British farmers um, where we launched an initiative to cut our carbon emissions where we're looking at what we call our 50 and 5 goal in the UK. So we're reducing our absolute carbon and water use by 50% over five years. And wow. we're leveraging uh, new tools that we call like our iCrop tool, uh, drip and pivot irrigation, 
um, helping them to recognize the most efficient use of water, pesticides, and herbicides. So it is delivered at the right time of the growing season and the right time for the, uh, for the particular region where you're growing. You know, Robert, I can't help but think that this certification program that you've set in place um, could have a huge impact on the farming industry as a whole. And I just think it's inspiring to see PepsiCo leading the charge in this particular uh, area that's so important to all of us. I mean, our food, gosh, I mean, right behind water, it's the biggest need that we have in human sustainability. This is very inspiring. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we'll have more with Robert on the promise of PepsiCo, in particular, their environmental sustainability initiative. So don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Healing occurs from the inside out. To awaken and activate the body's healing mechanisms, your emotions and thought patterns must be addressed and aligned with your truth. These concepts are discussed in detail on The Light Within, Awakening the Inner Healer, with host Joan Jacobs. We'll introduce you to a new way to interpret and address your body's language of symptoms and how to turn disease into a platform of profound personal growth. Tune in to The Light Within every Monday at 10 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We are talking with the Senior Director of Environmental Sustainability and Global Pub- Public Policy for PepsiCo. And I am just so thrilled to hear what PepsiCo is doing in terms of uh, the wide spectrum of environmental initiatives that they are working very, very hard on. I, you know, I, one of the things I like the most about what you're doing, Robert, is that you're really integrating your suppliers and your vendors into this initiative. It's not just around your facilities. I mean, it really does bleed into your whole operation. Talk a little bit more to our listeners about how PepsiCo Green, this uh, initiative that you've got, works with your suppliers and vendors to institute green practices in their operations, even their daily lives. Sure. Um, and PepsiCo Green is actually um, 
a slightly different uh, outreach program within PepsiCo uh, versus our supplier outreach. But I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about both because PepsiCo Green is an example of internal uh, grassroots efforts to get people within PepsiCo and within our offices thinking about sustainability and how they can improve, not just within the office, but within their daily lives. And so, if you will, there are green teams within our offices and in our facilities that have uh, been around since 2007 is when uh, PepsiCo Green was launched. And it's about working with our associates and partners to accelerate the adoption of these environmental sustainability practices, um, not just through education, but then also through uh, some of the the efforts uh, within the office. But on the broader piece with our suppliers and vendors, um, we have been uh, really working with our suppliers and co-manufacturers for several years to help them also innovate and improve their operations. So we're taking for free um, and providing the training materials and the trainers to these facilities, our um, experts, and training them on our recon program. So literally going there, uh, spending four or five days in some cases to train them how they can improve their operations. We have a uh, a yearly global um, sustainable supplier conference where we invite all of our key and critical suppliers to come and participate in a, a training sessions that we have. So we have a conference for them. We also work with them and partner with the CDP and the Supply Chain Leadership um, Coalition. So we encourage them to respond to the CDP survey and to help them uh, recognize and baseline uh, their operations, which we, uh, of course, subsequently uh, respond to as well, because Obviously, we're a supplier to uh, to our customers, and so we 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 provide that information also. I think that's fantastic. You know, I've seen a lot of companies jump on board the green bandwagon. I mean, green is the new uh, cool color in marketing, and and companies talk about their sustainability efforts and environmental protection and their uh, participation in this nonprofit or that nonprofit. And that's a great thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I like so very much about PepsiCo's approach to sustainability is that it also incorporates human health as well as environmental protection. Talk to us about how PepsiCo is developing formal, formal policies to ensure alignment between your human health initiatives and your environmental-related initiatives. Mm. Yeah, I think this is an absolutely critical area for PepsiCo going forward. And, you know, we've partnered with and championed coordination within the World Economic Forum as well as uh, other partnerships to really bring this to the forefront. Um, and some examples of how we've brought this about and what we're calling affordable nutrition or accessible nutrition um, so that we can show that not only is there a business case for uh, meeting basic needs, if you will, within some of the base of the pyramid populations, but uh, that it's also the right thing to do from a business standpoint. So as an example, um, what we call our Project Asha. So we launched a, a new product in the Andhra Pradesh province of India, um, and it's called Iron Chisti. And Iron Chisti, it's actually extremely affordable. It's only about two rupees, which translates to about four cents. Um, and it delivers uh, a critical nutrient, iron, to the local uh, adolescent girl population where uh, with one of our partners we had identified that there was a challenge in this particular population uh, with an iron deficiency. And so we've produced a good-for-you product that 
delivers affordable nutrition uh, to, uh, to a critical population where it was missing before. Wow, that's really inspiring. And I mean, as much as a lot of us think of PepsiCo products, you know, for our, our snacking moments, you know, treating ourselves, Super Bowl parties and all of that, um, you know, there is this whole aspect of your good for you kind of line, the healthy foods that I, I hope our listeners will check out. Do you foresee a time, Robert, when you'll be able to incorporate the environmental benefits of your operations into actual labels and packaging on your products? I mean, do you think that using less water, energy, and creating less waste per unit of production will become such a competitive advantage for PepsiCo that you'll be able to put it on your packaging as much as there's nutritional labeling on your packaging? Yeah, and that that's a great question. I think this is a, a very important issue as we move forward in the sustainability arena of how can we communicate this to consumers. Um, we're engaged in some critical programs out there, for example, with the World Business Council for Sustainable Development. Um, we co-chair the work stream on sustainable consumption. So how can we bring innovation to help with choice influencing, choice creation, and uh, choice editing for consumers so that they can, can realize that, if you will, sustainability is baked into the products that, they're, that they're, they're purchasing. But we're also working, like for example, in France, we're road testing uh, the new laws in France around uh, labeling for sustainability. Uh, I'm sure you're aware that the Walker's Crisp project in the UK was the first consumer goods product in the world to carry the carbon trust logo for um, greenhouse gas within the, the product and how we're working to reduce this. Now, we've also done um, a similar study for Tropicana in the U.S., um, and we did publish those results, but we didn't put it on pack because labeling resonates different in various different markets. And really, from a PepsiCo perspective, what we like to talk about it and address it as is more of a, a broader, if you will, communication plan. Labels in some markets only get you so far, and they get you further in others. But really, we want to make a holistic view at it so that we can ensure we're really reaching consumers. And I think to the point that you've made, uh, Jill, which is really critical, it's about changing consumers' behavior. And sometimes labels don't get you there, and so you need to really focus on that, that broader communication plan. I don't disagree with you at all on that, Robert. I just think that as you know, communities, for instance, we talked earlier in the show about water distressed areas. I mean, when people start to, you know, uh, see water rationing or lower crop yield due to water rationing, if they are able to look at products in the store and say, wow, you know, these two products are similar in price and quality, but this one uses a lot less water, and I can see that on the label, that might yeah. become a competitive advantage, but that may be years down the road. No, and um, we absolutely agree, and that we partner, for example, with the Sustainability Consortium and the Consumer goods forum with all the other companies and Walmart and, and many other retailers to uh, address the specific issue of how can we ensure that we're getting that information in the consumer's hands. So, so I think we absolutely agree. You know, I'm curious to hear how your stakeholder community has received your environmental goals. Some, some companies say, you know, look, we've got to meet our shareholder expectations. And so investing in sustainability efforts is just not you know, something they're interested in. How has your shareholder community received and responded to your environmental goals? Yeah, you know, we've had a, a, an extremely positive uh, return, if you will, on this investment. And I think it's because our stakeholders uh, realize, as PepsiCo uh, has said in our performance with purpose, that 
our financial success, our performance really must go hand in hand with social and environmental responsibilities, our purpose goals. They're inextricably linked. And recognizing that we're tracking it, that we're doing something about it, and that we're integrating it into our business makes us a stronger global business and a safer investment. Well, I think you're exactly right. I mean, the fact is, if you are a company and Every company in some respect relies upon natural resources. And if you don't know what your you know, future usage, consumption, and availability of those resources are and how you can manage that, you can't possibly expect to have investors you know, feel comfortable that you've got the long-term uh, plan to take it all the way through the 21st century and beyond. And PepsiCo obviously does. Robert, I thank you so much for joining us on Go Green Radio today. Uh, folks, if you have questions or you have responses, you can tweet me at, at Jill Buck anytime and we can get those questions answered. Until next week, I hope you have a great week and that you find a few new ways to go green, but we'll be back here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.